Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. When we talk about Match Day, we're generally referring to a particular day in March when thousands of residency applicants learn where they'll be training as residents. But not all matches take place in March. One match that occurs earlier, in January to be exact, is the ophthalmology match. Let's take a moment to review some of the statistics from the January 2018 ophthalmology residency match. You should know that there were 735 applicants who registered for the ophthalmology match. Not all of these applicants, however, ended up submitting rank order lists. In fact, only 85% did. What happened to the rest? That's difficult to answer based on the statistics that have been given to us, but it's likely that some applicants didn't receive any interviews. It's also likely that some had a change of heart regarding their specialty choice. Of the 625 who did submit rank order lists, only 475 matched. In other words, 24% of the applicant pool failed to secure residency positions in ophthalmology. What we can gain from this is that ophthalmology is a competitive specialty, and it has been so for many years. And in the years to come, it's likely to remain just as competitive. Therefore, the ophthalmology applicant must have a sound strategy to maximize his or her chances of matching successfully. And today, I have with me on this episode of the Success in Medicine podcast, a very special guest. Sudeep Thakkar is a fourth year medical student who just received some great news. He matched into ophthalmology. To give us detailed information on how applicants can match successfully into this field, Sudeep has joined us to provide valuable insight and perspective into the ophthalmology residency selection process. Sudeep, I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm really excited to have you on this episode, and I want to start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Dr. Desai. It's great to, great to be here. I'm born and raised in Houston. For undergrad, I went to the University of Houston where I majored in biology. Right now, I'm a fourth-year medical student at Baylor College of Medicine, also here in Houston, and I've recently just matched into ophthalmology at Northwestern, which I'm extremely excited about. Sudeep, congratulations on your recent match. I know that had to have been one of the great moments in your life. Tell me what that was like and how you heard the news. So I was actually visiting family at the time, and I had a phone call early in the morning. I actually thought uh, that I was going to find out the following day, but uh, I got a call the day before and got the news. The program director had called me and congratulated me, and I was ecstatic, excited. It's where I wanted to go. My family, friends are also, everyone is real happy, so I'm looking forward to it. And I wanted to bring you on to the show so that those who will be following in your footsteps can benefit from the wisdom of your experience. And I want to start this by just talking about your interest in ophthalmology and how that developed. I really feel that ophthalmology is kind of a hidden gem. 
when I went into medical school, I, I never thought that um, ophthalmology would be feel the choice that I would decide to pursue. But what I really love about it is that it's it's a great balance between sort of getting getting the hands-on side of of medicine, being in the operating room, but but also being exposed to a wide variety of pathology. Of course, in the eye, there's so many systemic manifestations that you can see. And so I really like that balance, and, and especially the, the surgery. I think the surgeries are extremely elegant, very precise, nuanced. Also, I would say my, my experience has played a huge role for me as well. I did a research here sort of between my third and fourth year. I really enjoyed my electives, my mentors, my global health experiences. So all that sort of really solidified my, my interest in ophthalmology. Let's talk a little bit more about your research in ophthalmology. I know that you took a year off between your third and fourth years of medical school to do this ophthalmology research, and and you did this at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. And making that decision is not an easy one for medical students. And I want to ask you about the factors that went into your decision as far as taking this year off. Yeah, great, great question. So for me, it was really twofold, I would say. First, I knew I was interested in ophthalmology, but I wanted to have more exposure to it. And then secondly, I I never prior to that point ever really had any experience in research. I wanted to develop a greater background in that. And now as I look in retrospect, I'm, I'm very grateful for having done that research here because all the opportunities that I had the chance to take advantage of and the connections that I made. So I, you know, I really encourage if, if you are interested in maybe doing a research here to find a mentor, talk to your dean, and see if it's feasible uh, with your curriculum. So medical students who are considering taking some time off, perhaps a year to do ophthalmology research, students have a lot of different options as to where they should perform this research. They can do that at their own institution or they may select to go elsewhere to do their ophthalmology research. What advice can you give students who are trying to decide where to spend their research year? I think foremost, I'll preface this by saying the earlier you know what you want to do, I think it, it really serves to your advantage because you can start working towards that field, towards that profession. And so I think finding a mentor, someone that you identify with, someone that you can see as sort of a role model for you that you want to emulate, that you want to be like, I think that's very important. And finding that individual, you know, can be a little tricky, of course. But I think if I think being on the wards is is a great sort of asset uh, to take advantage of when when you're working in teams, you, if you're working with an attending that you can really identify with, I think that certainly helps. But also meeting with mentors ahead of time trying to establish a good rapport and once you find uh, an, uh, an individual that uh, that you've really been able to connect with and maybe you've already done some research with at some point you can always ask if, if this opportunity to do more research under their mentorship is possible. What I find really notable about your research here Sadeep is that not only did you do this research but you were very productive. You know in looking over your CV I count 11 publications that have been either published or accepted in such journals as ophthalmology, ophthalmic plastic and reconstructive surgery, 
anesthesiology, and case reports in anesthesiology. And all of that is since 2016, when you started your research. So clearly, you have been very, very productive. And one of the most common questions I get asked from medical students is how they can be productive during their research year. How did they take it from being a participant into bringing it to life through publication and presentation? So I, can, I wonder if you would be so kind to fill us in on your secret. So, so actually, I think that the secret is very simple, straightforward, and it's just sheer hard work. And, and that means being able to identify opportunities when they arise and taking initiative. For example, when you're on the wards of an interesting case comes your way, maybe ahead of time doing a literature review, a literature search to see if there's any well-documented cases. And if there isn't, to talk to the attending to see if this would be a good uh, report to write up or being involved in retrospective studies. I think, unlike in college where it's, it's a challenge, I think, to find research opportunities. And, and when you're in medical school, I think there, there's just so many opportunities out there. And, and residents are a great resource as well. And they usually have projects that they're working on that they need help with, either with the data mining or with the literature review. So I think those are excellent starting points. Earlier, you mentioned the importance of identifying a research mentor. And I often tell medical students who are thinking about doing research to think very, very carefully about the research mentor that they choose to work with. What was it about your research mentor at MD Anderson that made her stand out? And what should students consider in selecting research mentors? So I think going back to a little bit of what I had said before is finding an individual that really you, you can see as your role model and, and someone who you want to be like I think is very important and, and conveying that to them as well. And, and sometimes it, it may take time to, to develop that but I think as long as, as you show initiative, you're a hard worker, you take an interest, I think finding that mentor is very possible. Now you've been able to explore the specialty of ophthalmology in other ways. Yes, you did this research, but you've also done substantial volunteer work in ophthalmology. For example, you spent some time volunteering at an eye hospital in Jerusalem. How did you come to learn of this experience, and, and what was it like? It, it was quite uh, innocuous, to be to be honest. It was so. My mentor was wor- she, she's involved with, with the eye hospital in Jerusalem, and she was working on a presentation that she was going to give and it was some some technical issue that she needed help with about using a video for a presentation and then later on I, I just I'd asked her simply if I could go visit the eye hospital volunteer there and then um, just a few months later uh, I was I was on a flight to volunteer at, at St. John Eye Hospital in Jerusalem and that was really really a phenomenal experience and opened the window to me to, to global health, global ophthalmology, and, and the sort of impact uh, that one can have as an ophthalmologist uh, in some of these uh, underserved communities. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about what you did in Jerusalem. What was that experience like? Yeah, so I think for me what was the most, and it was, it was all really just a unique experience, but what meant a lot to me was I was able to join the mobile outreach team which would go to some of these underserved communities in the West Bank, and and the outreach team they 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 had this they had this big van where they were able to sort of pack all kinds of equipment, slit lamp microscopes, and then set up these mobile clinics 
in some of these rural areas, and we would have these eye clinics, eye screening exams were being performed, and I was able to, to help with those efforts. And then I was also able to shadow some of the specialists in the hospital. And I think, you know, just, at, just as an example, the you know, number one cause of blindness worldwide, a cataract, and it, it really can be so debilitating and oftentimes patients may think this is just a natural part of aging, but you know, after, after a cataract surgery, the very next day, it's just sort of night and day in, in terms of what they were able to see and do before. They're able to see their, their grandchildren, they're able to do the things that they enjoy doing. So you, you, you really can have sort of a high socioeconomic impact. What was wonderful about your experience at the eye hospital in Jerusalem is that you were really able to share your experiences with others in some different ways. And that's something that I recommend that all students who provide service abroad consider doing. And I think it's important because it can inspire other people to do the same, and it can also really enhance your CV. How did you share your experiences? So my mentor has a symposium that she hosts, an orbital oncology symposium, and part of it she has this global humanitarian aspect. So I was able to present there, and then also I was able to be involved with the organization, the Order of St. John, that, that is a philanthropic organization that supports the eye hospital there in Jerusalem, and they have a chapter here in Houston. So I was able to, to be involved with that and to, to talk about my experiences at, at different events and, and to eventually become a member w- within the Order of St. John. I want to shift gears now. We, you know, we've had a chance to talk a bit about research and volunteering in ophthalmology. I want to talk more now about the ophthalmology clerkship. What are some tips that you can offer students who are preparing for their ophthalmology rotation? I think there's a couple of things that uh, can definitely be done. I think the ophthalmology clerkships, just because you don't necessarily get as much ophthalmology exposure prior to then, I think some of the things that you can do is one, of course, review your material that you learn from your preclinicals. There's a great sort of book for for people that want to have a very preliminary overview of the different areas of ophthalmology. And it's actually quite high yield. It's a book by Timothy Root, I believe is his name, and the book I think is called The Optho Book. And I think that's a great introductory book to have and one that, that I had read cover to cover before I, start my, I started my clerkships. And then w- while I was on my clerkships, I also carried around a couple of the books, the Will's Eye books. They have these at- color atlases and some brief synopsis of various conditions, which I thought was also very useful. I think another thing, if you're able to do, is if you can become somewhat comfortable uh, maybe have a senior medical student or a resident, if they can sort of show you how to use a slit lamp microscope, I think that may be helpful as well. Knowing your eight-point eye exam, then I think the rest you'll, you'll really learn on the clerkship. But I think what's important though is while you're on the clerkship is to really work hard, be the first to be there, be the last to leave, and to take initiative. Some of our listeners may not realize that the ophthalmology match is an early match. What that means is you're on a different timeline than most other people. What implications does this have for medical students in terms of planning and applying for residency positions? I would say that planning to take your electives in ophthalmology early on is important, especially if your medical school perhaps only has a limited number of ophthalmology electives and say you have multiple students applying. I think being able to plan out sort of 
trying to take those electives early, maybe coordinating with the other medical students when would be good times to take the electives so there's no really overlap. I think, the, so planning ahead of time, I think, is definitely important. And then try, you know, uh, also planning for your letters of recommendation from clerkships that you take. And if you, if you do an away rotation, that will most likely have to be, I think the, the, uh, the earliest you can take it is maybe July. But I would say just plan ahead of time for your electives and when you want to take them, where you want to take them. Did you do any away electives, Sudeep? Uh, I, I did not do any away electives. I did all my clerkships at my medical school. They have numerous electives offered, and so they, they had also kind of mentioned that you don't need to do aways if you don't want to. However, if, you're, if you really have a strong in- interest in going to a particular program, it's something to consider, but, but also know that kind of at, when you're there, you're also sort of on, on, a, on audition, if you will. But I know people that, that, that did aways at programs that they really wanted to go to. They, they did awesome. They were a rock star, and then they ended up matching there. Sudeep, I know that you had a chance to interview with a number of ophthalmology residency programs across the country. What were interviews like? Most interviews, I would say, are broken down. So one of the, one of the days, so the, into two days. So one of the days is a social event, and it can be the, the night before or the day of, of, of the interview, or even sometimes the day after. So there's a social event where you meet the residents and sometimes some of the faculty there, there as well. And I really recommend that you try your absolute best to attend those social events. And I know sometimes it may not always be possible, but to definitely try your best to attend them. I think they are important. And then, of course, the, the, the day of the interview itself, which is really broken down to the interviews themselves, and there's a, a, a tour segment where they show you around. And as far as the interviews, it could range anywhere from one, one interview to I think the most I had was maybe six or seven and some of them are panel interviews i think the most i had on a panel was maybe four or five individuals so the so the 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 structure of the interviews can vary and then uh, after that in between you're sort of meeting with the residents asking them questions that you may have and then of course is the the tour segment i want to talk a bit more about the social events that you have at these uh, residency program interview visits where do these usually take place at? So they, they can be different locations. I had some that were at, at a restaurant, some that were at one of the residents' homes. One was in the, the clinic area, so you, they could also show you around the clinic and have the social there as well. So I, they, they, there are different places that they, that, that they can occur. Did you find that these social events were largely with the residents, or were there faculty sometimes present? Most of the times they were with the residents, and on occasion, on a couple of them, there were, there were some faculty present. Do you recall any unusual situations or interesting things that happened at these social events? I think, I think most of the people in ophthalmology are pretty, pretty normal for the most part, so they're, they're enjoyable. You just kind of you meet other applicants, which is fun, and you talk to the residents, and you, you get to an- they, they answer any questions you may have. So I, I think that overall, they're a very low-stress setting. Let's talk a bit now about the interview itself. And I want to talk to you about some of the questions you encountered. And I know that medical students are always wondering about difficult questions or unusual questions that may come up in an interview. 
What are some of the difficult or unusual questions you experienced on the interview trail? So most of my questions, I think, were pretty standard. It's, it's difficult to recall any, any questions that really kind of threw me off. I think most of the questions were bread and butter questions. Why do you want to, why do you, why are you interested in ophthalmology? Why do you want to come here? T- tell me about yourself. I would say the tell me about yourself question is a very important question though because I think it can lay the, the groundwork for the rest of the interview in terms of being able to talk, talk about things that you mention and bring up. But for the most part, they were very conversational. Do you feel like when you're answering the tell me about yourself question that the next question that the interviewer would ask would be based on something you brought up in your tell me about yourself answer? Oftentimes, yes. They, they would follow up with things that I brought up, uh, brought up in my tell me about yourself question. Of course, there were times when they also had certain questions that they wanted to ask, but a lot in, in a lot of the cases, it would just kind of be very, you know, just kind of flow naturally from there, there onwards. And you're someone who's been involved in a lot of different activities, both related to ophthalmology and, and outside of ophthalmology. But I'm just curious, you know, with your uh, involvement in research, your volunteerism, your teaching, what are some things that interviewers seem to always want to talk about? Yeah, great, great question. I think if, you ha- if you've done activities, if you're involved in interest groups or you've done global health experiences or research experiences, those are absolutely things that will be brought up and that you can talk about. And so if you do decide to do, say, a research year, I think making it a very productive year is definitely in your benefit because it'll it'll provide a lot of content to talk about that interviewers are interested to learn more about. So I think I think there are, there are things that if you do, if you're really passionate about, it'll it'll show up and come up in interviews, and you can really show that passion to them. What other advice would you give to medical students who are preparing for their ophthalmology residency interview? Everyone has different styles of preparing for interviews. There's some that kind of try don't want to prepare too much in advance. Some that oh, maybe over prepare. But I think it's always helpful to maybe have a friend or two that you're able to kind of bounce some questions off of maybe even ask each other some difficult questions on the chance that they may arise and to just sort of practice having a, fl- a sort of a flow and being able to, to interview. And some people do mock interviews, which I think is also great, and to, to look into your own medical school to see if they have any resources or, or ask your mentors the, if they're able to, if you can have a mock interview with them. Any additional recommendations for our listeners interested in ophthalmology? So going back to, to kind of what I said, I think one of the most important things and one of the things that really inspired me were, were my, my mentors, especially my mentor at MD Anderson. So I think finding a, a mentor is very critical to opening doors and to having opportunities that you can uh, take advantage of. And so I would say that's, that's, that's very important. And then, of course, just showing interest I think as long as you're as long as you're an engaged medical student, doing well in your clerkships, you're, if you find opportunities to do some research, overall you'll do well. Sudeep, thank you so much for this very insightful conversation. I know that our listeners out there who are thinking about ophthalmology, they may be considering 
the specialty as a career or they may be a bit further along where they've confirmed their interest and they're just getting ready to embark upon this difficult residency application process, I know they'll be able to listen to this and take away some very, very important things that they'll be able to put into action to help them get closer to what they are striving for, and that is a successful match in ophthalmology. So thank you again for being with us here today, and I want to wish you all the best as you start this next chapter in your life as a resident in ophthalmology at Northwestern University. Thank you very much, Dr. Desai, for having me here today. And I hope to be able to check in with you in Chicago and and find out how things are going with your residency. Absolutely. I look forward to keeping in touch as well. Thank you. Before we conclude this episode of Success in Medicine, I would like to bring to your attention three key points that Sudeep made. First, your choice of research mentor is incredibly important. And that holds true if you're planning to spend one month, three months, or even a year immersed in research as Sudeep did. A supportive and engaged research mentor can provide you with an incredible experience. And if you seek to publish or present your research, your mentor will play an important role in your chances of reaching these goals. So as you consider different mentors, please do your due diligence to find the mentor that is the right fit for you. The second point I would like to highlight is the global health experience Sudeep had in Jerusalem. It turned out to be a fantastic experience. If you're planning to take part in a global health experience, think about how you can share your experience with others, as Sudeep did. Doing so has the potential to boost your residency application. And finally, give considerable thought to how you will answer the question, tell me about yourself during the residency interview. It's often the opening question in an interview, and you should view it as an opportunity to highlight some key points in your background. If you can do it well, you have the chance to direct the interview towards strengths in your background. In forthcoming episodes of the Success in Medicine podcast, we will be profiling other students who have successfully matched. As always, remember to visit our website, thesuccessfulmatch.com, where you will find resources, tips, and advice to help you reach your professional goals in medicine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai.